that we want to remember here. The first one is for Juanita Yerkes. Let's remember her in prayer. She was taken to the hospital this morning with chest pain, so let's be praying for her. Let's remember George Holland in prayer. He's having heart issues and shortness of breath. He'll be seeing a doctor this week, so let's remember him also in prayer. Uh, let's remember Daphne uh, and her boyfriend, uh, they were they had COVID and they are recovering for it. So let's remember that. That's from Randy Ham. All right. And then let's remember Serenity and Sai for placement to find a good loving family in their journey. And uh, that one doesn't give you a lot of details, but I want you to remember to pray for Serenity and Sai. Okay. So remember to pray for that one. Also, let's remember to keep praying for Brittany Jennings, lifting her up in prayer, and folks that are in the hospital. And uh, let's keep lifting them up. All right, we're going to open up tonight in a word of prayer. Daryl is coming to the platform. So I'm going to get him to pray and then lead us in a song. Double duty tonight. He's looking for a book. I found one right here and I hid it. Hit it yeah, do you want? He's got another Is it one. Book? No. Oh, oh, he's hoarding all the books. He's hoarding them all. Yeah. Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you have blessed us with, Lord. Father, we thank you for your spirit that we felt this morning. Father, we thank you for those ones that come to put their faith and their trust in you and accept you as their Savior. God, I pray that you will be with them. I pray that there will be people in their lives that will uh, disciple them. I pray that they will grow in their love of you and their knowledge of you and in their faith. And God, I pray that you will help us as a church to be the support that we need to be to a new Christian so that they can mature, Father. And I just pray that you would just uh, meet with us here tonight, Father. We pray for your Holy Spirit just to be in your presence here tonight, Father. And just help us not to squander an opportunity to gather uh, with like-minded believers and to uh, lift our voices and to sing praises to you and to thank you for all that you've done for us, Father, for the opportunity uh, to hear your word preached. God, I pray that... Uh, it'll just be precious to us, Father, and that we will be uh, 
hearers of your word will receive your word, Father, and will apply it to our hearts and to our lives. And we might leave here different than what we came in, changed, uh, Father, to make an eternal difference from you, Father, loving you more, serving you better. God, we're so thankful for this place. We're thankful uh, for our pastors, Father. We're thankful uh, for how you move. Uh, we're thankful for how, how people are obedient to your, to your moving of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would just bless this time that we have together, Lord, and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth and enjoy being in your presence, God. And Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son to die on the cross for our sins that we might have life eternal and life more abundantly here on this earth. God, we pray once again, meet with us in a special and a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 112. Turn to page 112. Hey, you know what? Let's do 120. I opened up right there, and I'd rather do that one. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story is my song praising my Savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long perfect submission perfect delight visions of now burst from my sight angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy whispers of love this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long perfect submission all is at rest I am my Savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting Looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Oh, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. You may be seated.
Let's remember our announcements. Don't forget, make sure that you get a bulletin. Make sure that you get it. It has all the announcements in it. So make sure that you grab that uh, and remember it. Some things that are coming up this very week. Don't forget fellowship meeting Saturday at uh, 7 o'clock at Kennett Square Missionary Baptist Church. So don't forget that. 6.15 for the executive meeting. Choir clinic coming up this weekend. Don't forget that. Lots and lots of stuff going on, so make sure that you grab one of those. Then also, we noticed that a couple of weeks, the My Story was in the bulletin, but now they, it's a little bit longer, and it's posted out in the back. And if I'm not mistaken, who was it this week? Donnie and Patty Reed. So you want to learn all about them. That was a great way for us to find out about folks, and uh, it's just wonderful to get to know each other, put some names with some faces, and all that good stuff like that. So make sure that you go and look at that. All right, at this time we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. DJ, would you ask a blessing on the offer? Blessed Redeemer, sing a word His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. him all day long praise him praise him tell of his excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer for our sins he suffered and bled and died he eternal salvation hail him hail him jesus the crucified sound his praises jesus who bore our sorrows love unbounded wonderful deep and strong praise him praise him tell of his excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song all right choir on this last verse come on up praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring jesus savior reigneth forever in 
endeavor. <laughs> Prophet and priest and king, Christ is coming over the world victorious, power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Amen. You may be seated.
faithful. And uh, when we started doing the uh, minor prophets, if there was something that kept jumping out at me, it was how faithful the Lord is, even though we are not. And boy, uh, they're learning some new uh, songs for the choir clinic. And the other night, I was just kind of thinking about one of them. And in that one, it was talking about how God is always the same. And I just, I kept thinking about that because I'm just so inconsistent. I don't know about you, but I just kept thinking about how I get high and I'm ready to, you know, do everything for the Lord. And then I get down and low and, but God, always the same. His faithfulness is always right there. Boy, as we go through the minor prophets, we see that. And I just want to praise him for it and let Daryl sing.
Amen. All right. Take your Bibles out with me this evening and turn to the book of Amos. Book of Amos chapter number three. We're going to continue and uh, go through chapters three, four, five, and six all tonight. You're like, wow, really? Really? What are we going to do? And uh, again, I want to try to make sure that we're keeping things uh, in the big picture. I will remind you that there, are, there is a lot uh, in the poetry and in the poetic speaking that it comes that can be drawn, truths that can be brought out, uh, and they are there for us to glean from. But as I said before, as we look at this, especially 3, 4, 5, and 6, they are very poetic. Uh, the poetry oftentimes is personal. So as you read it, you're going to think about those things that personally, just to just the other week I was listening to that about poetry in the Bible and listening to some guys talk about that in a sermon and a podcast and they were bringing that about again about the, how personal it is and it really is. It's going to bring up something that you possibly have been through in your life. That experience is going to resound in your life and you're going to relate that to God, to God's character, to God's faithfulness and so many different things. And uh, they're going to use that. So I encourage you to go home and, uh, and read and meditate on these after we put it all together uh, in a larger perspective. Uh, and then go home and see what the Lord has for you and what he's bringing to you. So we're going to be in uh, Amos chapter number 3, verse number 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 1, 2, and 1 and 2. Well, I'm going to read verse number 3 as well. Stand with me if you would. We'll read those verses and we'll ask the Lord to help us and bring the message this evening. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And I am going to stop reading right there. So let's read that again, though. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Dear Lord, you know the message that's on my heart and on my mind, and I pray that you would help us to uh, be faithful to the word of God. Dear Lord, we believe that this, that this practice, that this, uh, if we could dare even use the word, this religiously coming to the word of Scripture and seeking to rightly divide it has made a great difference in our church in our family, in the spirituality of this church that's made a difference in the maturity of this church. And so, dear God, we want to be faithful to do that. We want to be so careful that when we open it up, that we are not bringing what we think is our opinion, but as we are convicted and moved by the Spirit with what the Word of God has said, that we would bring it with conviction, backed by the Word of God, and tonight, dear God, I pray that we would do that again. Dear Lord, we have something from the book of Amos that I believe that speaks to us directly, that speaks to us 
uh, because of how you spoke to Israel, we need to hear it today. And I pray that we would use it in a great and a mighty way that you would use it in our heart and in our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't want to go into great deals to recap, but I will. I do want to recap a little bit because it sets up what we're going to talk about. We already told you that in chapters 1 and 2, God issues his complaint with the children of Israel by zeroing in on the children of Israel. It was kind of an interesting way that he does that. He goes around about the nations and then he zeroes in on them. In chapters 3 and 6 where we're going to be looking at tonight, he speaks poetically about the judgments that will come to Israel, about their sin and about their judgments. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And then 7 through 9, you're going to remember, is where Amos's visions, where we're going to get to at the end. And that's how we break, break those up. In chapters 1 and 2... As I said, I want to give you a little bit of recap so that you'll know where we're going today because this is important. It is specifically important as we make the application. And the reason I say that is because of this right here. Remember what Amos does. He says, hey, Damascus, you guys are a bunch of wicked sinners. Remember we mentioned this Wednesday night. And all of Judah and all of the Israels went, that's right, Amos, go get them. Them Damascus folks, they're a bunch of wicked, filthy people, right? And everybody's like, right? And you've been there, right? We get into church on Sunday morning. We get into church on Sunday night. And they say, hey, look at all of them folks, you know, out there doing all kinds of wickedness. And everybody says, amen, the world's wicked. Amen, the world's terrible, right? Amen, you've been there, right? And so we're like saying that, and here it goes. And then what's Amos do? He says, well, what about the ones right across the street from you? And he's like, yeah, they're bad too. Getting kind of close to home though, Amos. And then Amos says, hey, the Lord has a problem with you. And we understand that application and see that application so powerful because we need to come to the minor prophets. We need to come, not just the minor prophets, we need to come to the word of God Right, And we already know this, but we need to be reminded and say, no, it's not they that are wicked, but it is I that am wicked. And God, do a work in my heart. And I understand when we come to these and we see the nation of Israel being dealt with, that we want to make the application to go, hey, our nation is wicked as well. And it is. I'm not going to argue that point on you. But I will say this, that America is not God's chosen people. Israel was God's chosen people. So his promises to them in the word of God do not apply the same to America as they do to Israel. When I'm reading that, that is not a great application. You know what is a great application though? Are you ready for this one? You are a chosen people. Men, yeah, you have been set apart. Not them, you, okay? God wants to use you. God wants to use his church, and he wants to use us. America is not the savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, and we are his people. 
And I love my country and I'm as proud as anybody could be. I love it that our church stands up for our soldiers and for our policemen. And if anybody knows me, I'm the chaplain at Elkton PD for crying out loud. I love that stuff and I'm on their side, but I am a Christian first. And the word of God, I need to be able to rightly divide it. It is being applied here to the chosen people, God's people. Therefore, as I come down the line, I don't need to look out and go, oh, this world's terrible. Yep, it is. You're right. But this is for me. This is for me. So, Lord, let it be for me. Let me be serious. Let me be real. Let me say, God, what are you going to do in your scriptures today? that I need to see. And that's what Amos does in that little verse, chapters 1 and 2. He brings it to them. Now, we're going to get to 3, 4, 5, and 6, okay? And we're going to preach these, and we're not going to get very specific. I'm going to give you a few passages of Scripture throughout them, but we're going to look as God calls them out for their sin. Remember, we said that in the book of Joel, Joel never mentions any specific sin. But Amos ain't got no problem, okay? So hold on. It's going to get real, okay? Because Joel or Amos is not going to pull any punches. This farmer from Tekoa, he means business when he starts preaching, okay? So let's take a look at what he calls out uh, Israel and Judah and what he brings to them and how he puts it. We've already read the verses in chapter 3, Verses 1 and 2, we read them already. And the first thing that I want you to note down in your list of these, I've got four of them tonight that he's going to bring out in these chapters. The first one that he speaks about, and at first you might not think it sounds like sin, and it's not sin except for the way that they used it. The first one is the privilege of Israel. The privilege of Israel. He says to them, I want you to look at those verses. I don't know about you but I get pretty excited about them. Hear this word, especially this one in verse number two. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Israel had a very, very special relationship with God. He called them out specifically. He has brought them out. He said, you're the only country that I've known. You're the only people that are my people. I have not done this. I have given you the law and the Ten Commandments. I have brought to you the tabernacle so that the glory of God could come and dwell on earth. No other place has had this privilege of knowing the living God like the children of Israel. What a privilege to be given that and to be given God's presence. You might say, well, Mike, how in the world do you find that this, is, that this is a sin? Because their privilege started to make them feel like they were privileged, didn't it? You know what I'm saying, don't you? They looked around at the other countries. They considered them less. They considered them unholy. And I understand there was wickedness all around them. There really was. But in their heart, they believed that they somehow 
And in a way, they did. We talk about it. They had a, a little bit of a corner on, on the market of God. If you wanted to know God, you had to follow the Jewish customs in the Old Testament. These things had to be done. But all of that went to their heads to where they believed that there was, they believed they had done something special to earn that privilege. But it was only by the grace of God. It was only by the grace of God. What a dangerous place it is to get to when we somehow feel that the works that we're doing and the things that we're doing have somehow gained us this privilege with God. It is all by His doing. It is all through Him. It is all that God has bestowed all this upon us. We can never claim to have any right to what he's given to us. God, or God has absolutely poured out his blessings. And we need to make sure that we understand where that privilege comes from. As a matter of fact, he speaks even a little bit more of this. And it's interesting the way that Amos does it because a lot of times Amos will even revisit things. In chapter 6... Verses one through, or in verse number one, one through six, but in verse number one, he says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria. He's saying, Woe unto them that have just become very comfortable with religion and their position with God. They somehow think that, that God is pleased with them because of what they've done. I know. I know. You're saying, Mike, we know. Yeah. But the truth is, isn't it, isn't it scary when we act in ways that... The, the best way that I really had to put, and I didn't even want to go back to this example, but I'm going to go back to it again, is the prodigal son and the elder brother. The elder brother feels like he has earned all of this advantage, doesn't he? He says to his father... I've served you these many years, and I haven't ever had a, a calf. How in the world did he even learn how to serve his father? It was all a gift that the father had given him, raising him in a home like that, teaching him how to work, giving him all of those blessings. And here he turns around and throws it back in God's face. Again, a story that helps us to relate to how we are with God, that we somehow find ourselves in this privileged position, not because of our own doing, but yet we think it's what we've done. And what does that cause us to do? That rich young ruler, or not rich young ruler, the prodigal son, the elder son, he looks down on the lost, doesn't he? He looks down on the lost. Man, if there's anything that we need to do, it's care for the lost. This is also the problem of the children of Israel. When they, they're going to talk about this later, he's going to hit this in this book. I'm not even really going to preach on it because I felt like I've already preached it enough. But he's going to say, you have all of these poor. And that poor that we're looking at in here that speaks of definitely the destitute and those without money and those that are struggling, which you know I believe we should help. But he's also talking about those that are poor in spirit and those that have no ability to help themselves spiritually and those that are absolutely whose lives have been trashed by this world. And you know as well as I do that there's plenty of people with lots of money whose life has been trashed by this world. They got plenty of money. Money's not the issue. But their life is in complete chaos 
because of the things of this world. And they're poor. They're poor in what really matters. And here we are. It is our job to help them, not to look down on them, not to look at them and go, there's no way they could really repent. Oh, it's our job. Anyway, the privilege that they, that they had. Number two, he, he speaks to this again. And again, I'm not going to talk it, but the neglect of the poor. That's the second thing that he has against them. And I know that before I finish with the book of Amos, I'm not going to leave this alone, but we're going hit, to hit it again. But in chapter 4, verse number 1, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountains of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, bring and let us drink. He's going to repeatedly go back to this idea over and over again that you have neglected the poor among you. Like I said, I am not going to preach this point. We're going to come back to it, uh, I know, because he uses it so often, and I know where I'm going. But take note that it is there again. Number one, the privilege of Israel. Number two, neglect of the poor. Number three, that he has issue against them, is the altar that is at Bethel. I want you to drop down to verse number four of chapter number four, where we just were. And he says, come to Bethel and transgress. And Gilgal and multiply transgressions and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings for this liketh you. O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord. Now, Again, it's poetry, it's poetic in its prose, it's poetic in its rhythm as he's singing it, but I want you to make sure that you get this. At Bethel, they had built uh, another temple, as it were. And Israel, the northern kingdom, would revolve its worship around the temple that was at Bethel. But Jeroboam II, who was king during this time, had put idols in that same temple. Some of you are aware of that. I can see you nodding your head. You've done your homework on the book of Amos, and you know that. And he has put idols in this place, and because of that, Amos goes up there and he preaches specifically. And later on, we're going to see that the main priest at that temple has a little bit of words with, with uh, uh, Amos, and they talk about it, and we're going to see all that later. But he, he calls them straight out, and he's like, look, You've got a problem in that temple. And I want you to notice these words as we put them together so that we get it. He says this, come to Bethel and transgress. What does he mean? He's like, you're going to come to Bethel and you're going to sin. You're going to sin there. Why? Because your sacrifices are worthless. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. You're going to go there and you're going to sin. Not only are you going to sin, but at Gilgal, you're going to multiply, multiply your transgressions. He said, not only are you going to transgress, but then you're going to add on top of that more. Remember, we already started that out for three offenses, yet for a fourth. I have ought against you, saith the Lord, right? Because these guys aren't just sinners, they're professional sinners, okay? And here's what he said, oh, but in case you want to get too hard on them, Oh, yeah, it's for me, right? We're pretty professional sinners too sometimes, aren't we? 
Now look what he says here. Come to Bethel and transgress. Multiply, transgress. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. He says every time that you come to the house of God and you make these terrible sacrifices with your heart wicked and with nothing good in it, you are multiplying the sin in your life. And I put this down on our terms right here. He's saying, because you're fake and because you're phony, you're sinning every time you come into the house of God. I told you it was going to get tough, right? Because there's nothing real. What did our preacher preach about this morning? That we get to a place where the word of God isn't even sinking in. And when we have somebody who comes into the house of God over and over and they pile the sin up and they pile the sin up, all of a sudden the word of God doesn't even seem to ring in their ears anymore. They have piled transgression upon transgression. They have deceived themselves that they are worshiping God. And God said, all you're doing is piling sin on sin. Be careful how we enter the house of God. We are to reverence it. We are to come in the right way. We are to come to do business, be in the presence of the Most High God. He said, every time you come in here and sacrifice, you're piling your sin up greater and greater. He says, you offer, offer uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving with leaven. I know we got to read that right, don't we? Because we don't get that at first. That's not a good thing to do, okay? It's always without leaven, right? You remember that, right? You can go home and study that later. Now notice what he says here because he gets even harder on him. And you publish the free offerings, okay? And he says it like this. You publish the free offerings for this liketh you. You know what he's talking about right there? He said, you come in and you make your gifts to God and you publish it to everybody. It's supposed to be private, right? Yeah, but you publish it and you talk about it and you praise what you do. And he says, you know why you do that? Because you like it. Because you love it. Because you like to hear people say how good you are. It's getting tough, isn't it? You show up to church just because you want people to see you at church? Do you show up at church because you want people to tell you how good you're doing in life? You want the praise? Now listen, we need each other in the Christian walk. Amen? We need brothers, sharp brothers and sisters praying for each other, encouraging each other. But what we don't need is false humility that we come in and what we really just need is people propping us up and making us feel better about ourselves. What we need is God to move on our life and change us. Change us. He said, you sure do like it when people talk about you. This is the same accusation Jesus is going to bring all those years later against the same Pharisees, right? Isn't it? He's like, you love to pray. You love to stand outside and make big old prayers and everybody see it. You love to fast and put the ash in the sackcloth at you. And everybody says, look how righteous they are for fasting. You love it, don't you? He said it's all worthless. 
You're piling sin on sin. How dare you enter into my house in such a manner? There's nothing to it. Number four. All right. He's got a problem with the privilege of Israel. He's got a problem with them neglecting the poor. He's got a problem with the altar at Bethel. And number four, he has a problem with their idolatry. Go to chapter 5, verse number 26. But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and of Chian, your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. There's other passages that we could go to, but he once again speaks out against their idolatry. They are bringing their idols into the house of God. There's a lot that we can say. So much preaching has been done upon idols, about idols, about what they are. We understand. We have a good concept of them. But boy, even though we understand, even though we have a good concept, we all know how real that fight is every day, right? To keep God number one, right? Number one commandment. To have no other gods before me, right? It's the first one that we struggle with all the time. We put so many things. Now listen, I want to put this in the, the perspective a little bit of, of, of their time, but also so that we can put a few things and have an understanding of it for us so that, so that we can see why this is so dangerous and also how we can help guard ourselves for it. Because if I had to come, and I don't know why Amos does this. If I were Amos and I was preaching this message, I would start with idolatry and then I would hit all of the others at subpoints. But Amos goes the other way around. And he says, listen, you've got this problem and you've got this problem and this problem and this problem. And they're all the little problems that are the big problem is that you've got idols in the temple of God. That's what he says. That's your big problem. Like I said, I want to start at the top and go, yeah, you got idols and this, this. But Amos goes through it the other way. And I think that Amos is a smart preacher as he does that. Because the idol stuff is a bigger problem, right? It's also going to be tougher for him to talk about this and get this through. And that's the, still the same with us. You get that? If I started to name your idols, it would get all personal, right? Yeah, right? Who knows, right? I've heard the messages. I've heard them all. I've heard some really good ones. That children are America's biggest idol. I've heard that one. It was a good message too. A lot of stuff to be made there. A lot of times when you go to that little league, it looks like they're worshiping them kids, huh? Hmm. The way I've heard some of them kids talk to their parents, it's pretty obvious that they're, they're not in control. You know what I mean? It's amazing, isn't it? We could keep going, right? Work, job, recreation. 
Who knows? Yourself? Hey, keep, I can keep going. That's not the point here, and this is not the point of this. And, and I, here is how I want to point this out to you. Here's the biggest problem that starts to take place. The children of Israel had a temple, had a place set apart for the worship of the one true God. Amen? And they brought worldly stuff in that looked like their neighbors, right? We want to look like that. that this is their biggest, we want a king. We want a king. The whole reason that it feels like the prophets are even there is because of these kings, okay? This is what's going on. We want to be like them. We're going to add this into it. The Romans were great at this. The Romans used other cultures and they would add things on. They had no problem. But God had said, you are my people. You're my people. And when you go into the land of Canaan, you do not adopt the Canaanite practices. You are my people. But what did God's people do? They start bringing these gods and these idols into the house of God. And here's what happens. And I'm, I'm going to finish this point. This was my longest point. I'm sorry that it's the last one, but that's just the way it worked out tonight. When we have idols in our life, it trashes our value system. Are you listening? When we have idols in our life, it trashes our value system. Why does that work that way? Well, it's pretty simple because God is supposed to be number one, right? And anytime we put something else as number one, our value system is messed up there. And just like Amos is showing them right here that all of these other problems you have are stemming from this one big problem you have. When I have a problem with idols in my life, I have a problem valuing the things that God values. If I can't even put God in his right place, how am I going to put everything, anything else in my life in its right place? I can't do it. My relationship with God is off, therefore my relationship with everything else is off. And here's what he says right here. Idolatry, and we're, I'm, I'm almost done. We're going to go through our outline again. Idolatry messes it all up. It turns our privilege, the beautiful, privileged state that we are at with God as his chosen people, it turns it into pride. It turns our privilege into pride. It turns the poor, it makes us see them as not people. You know, I'm just going to preach what's on my heart. When you drive through that intersection and that homeless guy is standing there, they call that flying a flag, just in case you were wondering. And they're flying a flag. He's made in the image of the person. They're people. But we're really good at looking right past them. I told you, I'm just preaching. It's on my heart. When our value system is messed up, the poor are no longer people. And we're able to go right past them. Not just the poor like that, 
But we miss the people who need Jesus as well, don't we? Because we're able to walk right past them. And our neighbor, our co-worker, that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. And you know it. You know it by their conversation. You know it by the thing. If they're people, do they need the Lord? Yeah. Who's going to tell them? You've got to. You've got to. But somehow, we're able to look right past them. Why? Because we got idols in our life. And our value system is all messed up. We're not valuing what God values it. Right through our outline we go. The sacred becomes sanctimonious. When our value system is messed up, what is sacred in the house of God becomes nothing more than a show and what we do to try to prove that we're holy. I am not holy. The only, the only righteousness that I have to plea is the righteousness that Christ has placed upon me. I have nothing to bring. And for me to try to act self-righteous or as the word sanctimonious would be, it's so wrong. What happens inside of the house of God is sacred. I'm t- and I, I know that probably of a lot of things that we talk about, the world's changing. I get it. Everything's more casual. But when we come to the house of God, and I'm not talking about the way we dress, I'm talking about the spirit of our heart should be reverenced before a holy God. Does he visit us in his tabernacle? I think he does. I'd have to say that this morning was evidence that God visits us in his sanctuary. So he ought to be reverenced in his sanctuary. We ought to come in respectfully. We ought to come in Honoring it. We ought to understand what is sacred. If we go back to this passage of scripture, you know what? He's going to say to them, you're going to go to that altar that it's at Bethel and you're going to fall upon that altar and the horns are going to fall off because there's nothing real there for you to worship. How sad is it for someone to come into the house of God looking for real worship and excuse the way it is, but for the horns to fall off because there's nothing real in that church for them to hold on to and worship to. Man, I believe that we have something real to hold on to. Anyway, the sacred becomes sanctimonious. And then on our fourth one that falls right under it, our worship becomes worthless. Our worship becomes worthless. I want us to go to verse 21 of chapter number five. As I close, this is what we're going to look at this even in these few passages of Scripture. Because these are scary, especially in light of what we've talked about. This is God speaking through Amos right to the children of Israel. I hate, I despise your feast days. That's their big days when they come together to worship God. Supposed to bring Him praise and honor. God says, I hate them. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. There's nothing that you're doing that means anything. What a scary place to be. 
when God's people come into God's house and do, listen, and do it perfectly right. Right? They're doing everything the way it should be done when he's talking about it in this passage. I know the one before they're not, but in this one he is. And he says, I hate it. I want to tell you, that one's scaring me. I do not want to come into God's house and me think I'm worshiping and God say, I hate it. I hate it. But if I have idols in my life, he's not going to accept my praises. That's how we get to a passage of scripture like in Matthew that we already talked about where they go, but God, but Jesus, we cast out demons in your name and we did all of this work. And he says, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. I worked and I did all this, but he doesn't know who they are. Verse 23. Take thou away from me the noise of thy song. For I, not, I will not hear the melody of thy viol. You want to know, for me personally, because we sing a lot around here, that was one that kind of hit home to me. That was when this started applying right to me. Wouldn't it be a shame if all the singing we do, God didn't want any of it? Because we had idols in our life. Wouldn't it be sad if we fooled ourselves that we were worshiping the king of kings but because we had idols, he didn't accept it. It's serious, right? Idolatry messes up everything. And then this is one of the few passages. Amos is a tough book, and there's really just a few. But in verse 21, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. I'm thankful that God will give streams of mercy. Then he went through what we already talked about. And then the only other times that are at the very end of the book, and we're going to get there eventually, that he gives any comfort to the children of Israel that God would restore. There is a few of them in here that, again, are very poetic, and you're going to have to go look at them at your own. But church tonight for me, I hope that you're understanding where I'm coming from. That this first commandment to have no other gods before him is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's something that we need to constantly search out and seek out in our own life. God, is there anything that I'm putting before you Because God has no room for any of our praise or any of whatever we think it might be. It doesn't even matter. This is one of the most dangerous places that we find ourselves in. Is when we think we're worshiping God as nothing. Every head bowed, every eye closed as they come this evening. Bear a hymn of invitation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the word of God. Dear God, help us. The word is for us. I know that we live in a country that is steeped in idolatry. I know that we live in a country that 
that has all wickedness. I know that we live in a country where even the churches are steeped in it. But dear God, you came with your Holy Spirit night tonight to speak to me. Not to anyone else, to me. And as we sit in the pew, you came to speak to us. Dear God, are there things that need to be removed? Are there idols that need to be torn out of our temple? Dear God, help us to be willing to do that work. Help us not to just be willing, but help us run. Say, God, help me tear it down. I will have no other gods before you, O oh God. We ask that you'd help us as we seek your face this evening. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing what you Keep the Father's love for us. How best beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers, it was my sin. 